0: Colossians chapter four. If y'all forgive me, I'm not going to wear my coat this afternoon. I am burning up up here, and uh, I know it's cool out there, but I'm about to. I don't know if it was so much food I ate. Maybe the sin of gluttony this afternoon has caused that. I don't know. Maybe I have to go repent of that. But uh, anyway, Colossians chapter number four. going to read. One verse of Scripture, and then we're going to be dealing this afternoon with the, <clears throat> the subject of grace and how uh, it ought to be something that is one of the uh, attributes, I guess would be the best way to say it, characteristics uh, of our Christian life. Colossians chapter number 4, and if you will look with me in verse number 6. Paul writes, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. And Father, we come to you once again and ask that you would guide and direct our thoughts for the next few moments. And Lord, we, we don't want to give opinion. We don't want to give uh, good ideas or philosophies or what we think to be uh, uh, good ideas that men have come up with. But Father, we want to know what your will is and we want to follow your word and guide and direct, I pray, through the teaching of your word. May it uh, pierce our hearts and help make changes in us where it's necessary. Help to guide and direct our steps and teach us in righteousness that it would reprove and rebuke where needed. And I pray that you'd help us to be sensitive and open and willing to receive the teaching of your word as your Holy Spirit guides and directs. In Jesus' name, amen. A number of years ago, Charles Spurgeon was pastoring in London. He had a great ministry, and God had richly blessed his ministry. He had a, uh, an orphanage that uh, he took in uh, many young kids to try to help them out. There's another fellow in the same city in London called Joseph Parker. He was also a pastor of a fairly large church. And one Sunday, in the the passing of his message, he mentioned about how poor the children were that were entering into Brother Spurgeon's orphanage. Word got back to Brother Spurgeon, and of course you know how the grapevine works, and he was told that Brother Parker was being critical of the orphanage. And the next week, Brother Spurgeon got up in the pulpit and just raked Brother Parker publicly from the pulpit over the coals and just just viciously attacked him for what he perceived was an attack on the orphanage and the ministry that God had given him. He made all the papers, and the next Sunday, um, Brother Spurgeon had to be out of town and wasn't able to be in his pulpit. A lot of people went to Brother Parker's church. They wanted to hear his his uh, response to the attack, and they figured, well, we're going to hear Brother Parker light into Brother Spurgeon now. And Brother Parker got up in the pulpit. And he said, folks, our dear brother Spurgeon cannot be in his pulpit today. He said, I happen to know that this is the week that they normally take the offering for the orphanage. He said, I would like for us to take that offering. They had to pass the plate three times that day to collect all the funds. Brother Spurgeon, when he heard of it, wrote Brother Parker a letter. And he said, you know, Parker, you have practiced grace on me. You have not given me what I deserved, but you have given me what I needed. What a tremendous example of Christian grace. It's amazing that those of us who have been shown so much grace by a God who has every right to judge us for our sin are least prone to be giving of our grace. And I want us to look at a couple of things and learn a few things that uh, will do us well in the area of how we ought to respond to people in our Christian life. I think there's four lessons at least that we can find from Scripture, and I'm sure there are many more that would uh, lend itself to this subject, but I want to address four of them this afternoon and try to help us with some things. Um, we live in a world that is so cynical that it teaches people that uh, if somebody does you wrong, don't get even, get ahead. Be vengeful. Find a way to strike them back. And I'm amazed at how often we as God's people are are prone to have those feelings in the flesh. And uh, how oftentimes when somebody does us wrong, our first inclination is to lash out, uh, to be vicious even in our own defense, and uh, to mistreat and mishandle the situation. Let's look in, a, in the book of Proverbs. We're going to stay in Proverbs most of the afternoon. And uh, look at some, some lessons from God's Word that I think will help guide and direct our steps in some of these areas Proverbs chapter number six, if we will turn there first, and I'd like to look in verse number 18. Uh, There are six things that God addresses here that the Bible says he hates, and he says, "Yea, seven are an abomination. By the way, isn't it interesting that the very first thing on the list is not homosexuality? Now, certainly that is an abomination. We have no doubt of that in Scripture. But you know what the very first one is? A proud look. Why is it that we don't get as upset over proud looks as we do over the subject of homosexuality? Could it be that that's a sin we have a, a struggle with? And we're not as prone to point that one out. I don't know. Maybe that could be the possibility. That's just a side note. But it says a proud look, verse 17, the lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. And then I want you to notice verse 18. And heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. So these are untruths. These are imaginations. They're not something that they're fabricated. They're wicked imaginations and feet that be swift in running to mischief. And I want to point out something. My dad told me this years ago. I didn't realize it was Bible, but, you know, dad used to say it all the time. And he used to say, you know, uh, don't believe everything you hear. People, people have a tendency to love scandal, don't they? I, I thought of this illustration when I was getting things, notes ready, and I had heard it before. And uh, how easy it is for something to be said uh, by people that were not, uh, they're, they're in between, they're kind of in the middle of the situation. And, uh, you know, we have a tendency to put our own, uh, our own spin on our account of Things that have happened, and uh, and we all are susceptible to doing this. But we need to understand that just because somebody told us something, does not necessarily mean it's true. And before we respond with a knee-jerk reaction, before we lash out, we need to understand the situation fully. In in the illustration I gave earlier of Brother Spurgeon and Brother Parker, and I love that story, what what an example of grace there was there. But it would have been far better had Brother Spurgeon gone and met with Brother Parker to find out what had happened than to try to lash out without knowing the facts. And I say that, and I know that we can all look at that and say, well, yes, absolutely, there's some wisdom in that. But yet, how often do we respond not knowing the facts. There is no doubt, and and this proverb in Proverbs 18 shows us this fact, that there is a group of people that delight themselves in devising wicked imaginations, things that are not true. And they do it for no other reason than to try to stir something up. I don't know all of the situation of the folks that shared with Brother Spurgeon the situation here. But I get the idea that these were troublemakers. These were people that liked to stir the pot. They like to try to get people at odds with one another and to get folks to choose sides. I tell you, that's never, that's never the goal of God when it comes to His people. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. If there's a matter that we have against one another or think that we have against one another, our response is not to attack or to lash out. But it is to go to that brother or that sister and to talk with them in a spirit of meekness and humility and find out the facts. We are prone so often to jumping to a conclusion based on what we hear. And I think it does us well from time to time to realize that not everything we hear is true. Not everything that somebody says about us is what they really said. What we hear that they say about us is not really what they said. So be careful of that. As we begin this lesson, I think it's very important for us to understand that we need to know what we're responding to before we respond. And take the time. I know when the blood boils and, and the pressure begins to rise in the pot uh, and you just got to let that steam off. I understand there's a uh, an impatience that comes with that. We just want to go right then. My dad used to say years ago, and I love this saying, he said, you know, a lot of times... The difference between a big problem and a little problem is 24 hours. There's a lot of truth in that. Uh, There are a lot of things that in the heat of the moment were, were insurmountable, were huge. But given a few moments of time to figure out all the details made it a lot less of a problem. Be careful. We need to know that the Bible teaches that not everything... It's true. There are people out there that will do nothing more than try to stir the pot. Uh, I want us to look also in verse number 19. The Bible says, A false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Can I encourage us in this, not only to not be a recipient of uh, those that spread scorn around and that uh, spread lies and discord among the brethren, but let's not be the source of it either. I am amazed at how many times somebody will tell me something or somebody will tell somebody else something, and then we want our our desire is we want to go tell somebody else, and then they want to tell somebody else. And we don't even know the facts yet. Let's be careful because of the fact we know that not everything is true, not everything we hear is true. Let's not be the propagators of it. Uh, let's not go around and spread it further. Even if it doesn't involve you, if you hear the facts, go find out, or you hear that about somebody, go and find out the facts of it again. Because there's a, there's a thing here that God talks about that he hates. And he says this in verse number 19, he hates a false witness. He hates one that speaketh lies, and then he hates one that soweth discord among the brethren. That doesn't mean necessarily that what the, the sowing of the discord is not true. It just means it wasn't necessary. There are times that something may be true, but because of the nature of it, it's not wise for us to go and spread it all around and tell everybody about it. We go to the source. The reason for this is because we want to be gracious. I know our tendency is to say, well, they deserve it for what they've said and for what they're doing. They deserve this. Well, that's true. But isn't grace dealing with you know getting things that we don't deserve isn't it dealing with the fact that you know I certainly deserved the penalty for my actions with God and yet he he gave grace by showing me mercy and if I've been given great grace can I not show great grace we don't always have to make a big mountain out of a molehill with people uh, it's amazing to me <laughs> and I, I don't know if Brother Roberts can uh, relate to this. I'm sure after years of ministry, maybe he can. It's amazing to me how many times something that starts off as just a very small matter ends up in people leaving and quitting churches and splitting churches. It causes people to get to a place where they say, I don't even want to have anything. I've knocked on doors of people who said this. I used to be involved. I used to go to this church. What happened? Well, somebody hurt me. Why? Because some people were sowing discord among the brethren. That's not a gracious attitude. It's not a gracious spirit. I'm thankful we have a church that we don't have this problem. It makes it a lot easier to teach this when there's not the problem. Because if there was, you'd all be saying, he's only teaching that because we have this going on right now. I'd rather be preventative in it and teach this while we don't have this issue. So that hopefully we can keep from having it. Not everything that's said is true. And, and I'll say this. Some of the people that spread that untruth, they sincerely think it may be true. So I'm not saying that they're always lying about it. They sincerely believe they're true, but they may not have all the facts. So be very careful about that. The Bible teaches us, this book of wisdom teaches us uh, these things, that these are these are realities of life. They happen. And we've got to be careful. These are There are people that will sow discord among the brethren. That's their... That's their lifelong ambition, to cause some kind of stir. And then I want us to look, if you will, in Proverbs chapter number 14. Proverbs chapter number 14. Not everything that is said is true. We've got to be careful that we do not propagate it or spread it and cause discord among the brethren. Uh, let's look in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number 7. Proverbs chapter, I'm sorry, verse number 17, excuse me. He that is soon angry dealeth what? Foolishly. And a man of wicked devices is hated. He that is soon angry is a guy that flies off the handle. Uh, it doesn't take much to, to, to get it, pull his trigger and get him riled up. The person that can't control the temper has no self-control. The Bible says that when that type of a person acts, that he acts foolishly. I think we can look at the story of Brother Spurgeon, and I think even Brother Spurgeon, if he were standing here today, would tell you himself that he acted foolishly. He did it because it was a quick, spontaneous reaction. He would be classified, perhaps, in this situation as being soon angry. By the way, before we're overly critical of Brother Spurgeon, uh, how many times is this the case in our life? How many times have we quickly become angry? and not given time for God to give grace in our hearts towards the situation. The Bible says, He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. We need to understand something, and that is this, that sometimes even good people, well-intentioned people, very sincere people will make mistakes. And if we fly off the handle and anger at them, and do a knee-jerk reaction to them, and do not show grace to them, then we will be dealing foolishly with them. Look with me in Titus, if you will, chapter number 1. Paul is giving some indications of some requirements or characteristics, if you will, of men that are going to be in a leadership position by way of being a pastor. And let's look in verse number 7. The Bible says, for Titus 1, verse 7, For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, notice this, not what? Soon angry, there's that phrase again, angry quickly, jumping off the handle, having a temper, if you will, Um, letting the blood pressure rise. He that is soon angry, This, this ought not to be even characterized by a man who is a pastor. By the way, if a pastor ought not have it in his life, neither should anyone else have it in their life. These are things that we've got to be so careful of. Why? Because if we don't follow these things and we don't know these things, then we are not able to be obedient about showing grace in our life. To let our words always be seasoned with grace. Not just some of the time, but all of the time. I've been there before. (laughs) When my face got red and the blood pressure rose, I remember a number of years ago I had to... um, I was working for my dad, and you know how working for your dad is. Uh, not only are you on staff, but, you know, you work all the other hours of the 24 that are in the day as well. And uh, he, uh, I'd been working there many years as a staff member and had great seniority and worked my way up to janitor and uh, and bus school bus driver. I don't know if two higher positions a staff man can have, uh, but uh, get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, drive the school bus, and, uh, so I got up that morning, is actually about 4.30 I think when I got up and drove the school bus and then went and cleaned all the bathrooms and the kitchen, got everything ready for school and then went to staff devotions and worked my day. And then that night we were having a family fun night for the school, kind of the end of school celebration. And we had a bunch of carnival games set up in the gym and I was responsible for setting all that up and organizing it and getting all the people in charge of it. And uh, it was supposed to start about 6 o'clock that night. I was supposed to be in uh, Texas at uh, 3.30 the next afternoon. and Or 4.30, I'm sorry, 4.30 the next afternoon. And uh, was going to have to drive as soon as I could to get over there. And drive all through the night to get there. And, and I did so. And uh, I, I tried to get my dad about 3 o'clock. I said, Dad, everything's set for tonight. Can I go ahead and get on the road? I'm going to be up late, late, late hours. And I said, I've been up since 4 this morning, 4.30 this morning. I'm tired. And I said, I need to get on the road or I'm not going to make it. And he said, no, I think you need to stay here until 6 and make sure everybody's in their places. <laughs> and uh, in case anything goes wrong with the family fun night. So, you know, being the sun. I stayed and uh, didn't get to leave till about 8 o'clock that night. I was late getting to where I was supposed to be, but I remember driving all night long. I was up over 30 hours. And the wee hours of the morning, I'm nodding off trying to get there. And I'm hungry. And I stop for breakfast. Yeah, I think it was breakfast. Uh, No, I'm sorry. Yeah, I missed breakfast. It was lunchtime because I I know what it was. So I stopped at a Burger King. And uh, I love their zesty sauce uh, that they have for their fries. So I ordered a burger. That's all I wanted was a burger. I didn't have fries. Um, And I wanted some zesty sauce to dip my burger in. And so I got my, my order. I went and sat down at the table. And I walked up and I said, uh, can I get some zesty sauce? And the lady said, that'll be 50 cents. And I said, what? She said, that'll be 50 cents. I said, well, I didn't get any condiments with this thing. I said, don't condiments come with us? I've never paid for zesty sauce. I've been to thousands of Burger Kings. Never paid for zesty sauce. Well, you didn't order French fries. Or, uh, no, what was onion rings, I think, is what it comes with. I, had, I think I had French fries. I didn't have onion rings. You didn't order onion rings, so we can't give you the zesty sauce. I said, well, what can you give me? She said, ketchup. And I mean, at this point, my face is red. I'm I'm tired. I've been up all night. And I mean, I am just about to explode. You know those old pressure cookers with a little weight on the top? I was one of those things, getting ready to just light off. I said, then let me have some ketchup for my fries. And she reached down and grabbed four or five packets of ketchup. I said, I need more, please. And she grabbed another. I said, can okay, I have some more, please? And I got about 40 packets of ketchup. And she she didn't, she couldn't say anything about it because she said I could have the ketchup for my fries. I went back to my table, and God got a hold of me. I took the ketchup back up, and I said, ma'am, I'm sorry. I said, I'm a preacher, and I said, I know better than to do this, but I said, I've been up 30-some hours driving. And I said, my temper got the best of me. And I apologize. Can I tell you, we're prone to this. We need to learn. I don't know what that lady had gone through that day, but I know she didn't need some hothead coming to her, trying to prove some point to her. Not only that, but if she had noticed the van I was driving that said Faith Baptist Church on the side of it, that would not have been a good testimony and I apologized to her and she thanked me. And I learned a valuable lesson that day that if we don't control our anger and our temper, sometimes we will be a reproach to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think this is why so often in, Bible, in the Bible it speaks of us not being quick to anger. Not, not dealing foolishly with people. I look back and I shamefully think of that time and I think how foolish that was. How foolish. It accomplished nothing. It certainly didn't make me feel better. And so I paid the 50 cents and got my sauce and went back and ate it. But uh, we need to be careful that we we treat people with grace. We represent the Lord Jesus Christ. And I have watched as God's people say, well, I'm Irish, or I got the red hair, or, you know, they come up with all these excuses why we are justifying flying off the handle, losing our temper, getting angry at someone. Well, they just deserved it. Boy, they really deserved it. No. If we got what we deserve, what would we be going through right now? And yet God commands us as His children to show grace. To show grace. Notice, if you will, back in Proverbs chapter number 15. We'll head back there and we'll look at our last verse this afternoon. Proverbs chapter number 15. Proverbs chapter number 15. Probably one of the greatest verses regarding our speech and the graciousness of it. In verse number one, the Bible says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words do what? They stir up. You think that'd be sowing discord among the brethren? Uh, they stir up anger. I'll say this not everything that we hear is true. And even if it is true, we need to be careful that we're not. Spreading discord among the brethren. We need to understand and realize that sometimes good people make mistakes. We need to give them the benefit of the doubt. And lastly, the fourth one I'll give you here. Grace is never out of season and is always the higher ground. Grace is never out of season and it's always the higher ground. Somebody said years ago, the, the difficulty in, in making decisions in our life is, is not trying to determine between what is good and what is bad. In the Christian life, the difficulty of making our choices and decisions is in the determination between what is good and what is best. And always choosing the best. God teaches us very clearly that we are to treat others graciously. Now, I know that there are times that we're to rebuke those that are false teachers, and I understand that. I understand being very bold in our faith. I understand pointing out sin boldly. But when we're dealing with people in, in day-to-day life, and our example and our testimony is on display, we need to make sure that we are dealing graciously with them. Get a hold of our temper. Get a hold of this quick wrath that the Bible speaks of. This quick anger that, that so often gets a hold of our hearts. And let our words be always seasoned with grace. Uh, just a little bit ago, we had lunch downstairs. And I loved it. We had eggs and bacon and uh, biscuits. Boy, I'm getting hungry again. And I love breakfast food. But you know, not only did they have the eggs and the bacon and the biscuits there, you know what else they had? They had Gravy. Can I tell you this? There are two things that you can put on food, any food, and it makes it better. Bacon and gravy. Why? Because it seasons the food, it makes it better. Can I tell you there's one thing in the Christian life you can always put it on and it will always make it better? And that is grace. It will season our words with salt. And uh, let's learn to be gracious people. That's one of the hard battles, isn't it? We talked about it in the 11 o'clock hour. The old flesh nature, it likes to rise up. And uh, we got to crucify it. We've got we to put it down and say, no, I'm going to be gracious. I'm going to be gracious. All right, let's stand together. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Father, we're so thankful for your word. Very simple lesson this afternoon, yet one that is so needful in the day that we live. How oftentimes we mishandle, we mistreat one another. The fruit that Your Holy Spirit bears in us. Part of it ought to be the gentleness that the Bible speaks of. I pray that You would help us to learn to handle people with care.